At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Good. Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another bonus episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, I am sitting down with Amelia Moses, who is the director of the new film Bleed With Me. This is her directorial debut. Uh, it's playing at Fantasia 2020 um but as we know film festivals look very different in 2020 uh so i was able to get a really cool screener copy and sit down with amelia amelia thank you so much for joining us hi thanks for having me <laughs> so i mean and you can be totally honest with this but we you gotta admit I, I would imagine that your first feature film kind of going out on like a virtual film festival is is got to be a little bit of a bummer it definitely was. Um, I remember when Fantasia first informed me that they were going to do that. It was definitely a bit of a blow because I feel like uh, as filmmakers, that's all you're kind of working towards really is that like in the dark room, you know, in the theater with the audience on the big screen, that's just like really what everyone wants. And so it was definitely disappointing, but I feel like the festival obviously made the best choice considering the circumstances and stuff. And I think they really made the most of a, that situation and still made a really big effort to promote the films and keep everything exciting so in the end it was still a really nice premiere no i i think and and i think that like there's something about this movie and i and i mean this in like the biggest biggest compliment possible but because it's such a minimal movie you know what i mean like it's it's mm -hmm. three people it's one location it's not as jarring to have to watch virtually as like you know something like tenant that that they're saying has to come out in a theater it has to have like the imax experience or 
whatever Christopher Nolan wants to tell himself. But I thought that this, I was in cat, like I was captivated. It kept my attention. It wasn't like a lot of other times where you watch a movie on your laptop and you're kind of distracted and looking around the room. The movie keeps your attention. So it doesn't need to be on a big screen to keep you focused. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, thank you. That's a huge compliment because I do feel like, you know, I feel like it's going to continue that films are going to be now less in theaters potentially moving forward, depend, you know, regardless of coronavirus. I think that's just like where things are shifting anyways, you know, or kind of um, simultaneous releases where you have like theatrical and, and at home at the same time or whatever. Um, but it's very easy. I mean, I get distracted when I, well, I watch films at home, you know, I look at my phone or I have, I'm on my laptop and there's another browser open. Like, I would hate to admit that, but it's true, right? We all do it. it even though I love, you know, movies and stuff, um, that's the kind of good thing about going to a cinema is that you really are, aren't distracted by anything. So, um, no, that totally means a lot that you were, you know, still engaged with the film despite kind of not being in the optimal circumstances. And it's a very different movie. But again, like I said, the movie looks incredible. And, and the, the way I explained it to a friend of mine was like, everything is minimal in it. It's a small cast. It's one location. But it doesn't look like a low budget movie. It feels so focused. And you know, it doesn't feel like a directorial debut. It doesn't feel like any of those things. It feels like a well thought out, well planned type thing so uh can you tell me a little bit about the writing of this the, the focus on this who was some of the inspirations that you pulled visually for this yeah well definitely kind of everything you're talking about in terms of the minimalism was pretty intentional partly for budget reasons but i think it's like when you have a, a micro budget you have to embrace those things and let them be part of the world building in a lot of ways um and i think a big part of why the film still has kind of um, hopefully a good production value is because of the location we had too. And I think that was like a really big goal of mine um, was finding a location that, you know, we exist in it for the entirety of the film. So it has to have that atmosphere. It has to have the right feeling to it and visually be interesting somewhere that we want to kind of exist in for those 80 minutes. Um, Yeah. And then in terms of the writing process, again, it was very much working within those limitations. I knew I wanted to, stick with three characters in one location because it definitely is a character study. Um, it's very character-driven. Um, an early film that was kind of inspiring for me early on in the writing process was the Duplass Brothers film Baghead because um, it's kind of a similar setup of like these characters going to, you know, a cabin in the woods. But that film really just takes its time because it's more of a mumblecore film to just exist with the characters and spend time with them. There's a lot of kind of dialogue-heavy scenes, but you're just, you know, it's not necessarily about the plot moving forward. It's just kind of about spending some time with these characters. So that definitely, like, um, was inspiring early on in the writing process. So my kind of main goal was to have a film that kind of combined those two things where you have these more grounded character um, moments and then more kind of genre horror moments and kind of the juxtaposition of those two worlds kind of thing. So that's kind of always been the, the like driving force throughout the film and that kind of impacted stuff with the cinematography and visually too. Like um, we kind of tried to set some rules to kind of distinguish those two tones as well. So anything that was more kind of grounded or just kind of spending time with the characters was handheld. And then things that were supposed to be more dreamlike, more horror-like, were kind of dolly and sticks. So we're just trying to kind of subtly 
show a bit of a difference between those two tones, I guess. No, and that makes sense. Like, I, I think not to harp again on the just three people, but I think just having three people also builds the tension a lot more. Um, not that mm-hmm. there's anything that I've seen like this movie specifically, but, you know, we've seen plenty of people in a cabin movie. And for sure, yeah. A lot of those times, if you're introducing all these other people and townies and it it kind of adds this element of like, well, just leave and just <laughs> like just mm-hmm. there's clearly mm-hmm. other people in this world like go and go be with one of them and you might be safer. But like only having it be these three characters, you feel that claustrophobia and you feel that like trapped in this circumstance and there's nowhere else to go. And I love that. About For sure. It. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think in this film too, the intention was also like, it's not, it's a cabin in the woods film, but it's not the killer in the woods. You know, there's nothing that they're running from. There's no external threat. It's really the internal threat and the kind of tension between those three characters. So it becomes less, you know, nothing beyond them really is important to the story, you know, cause it's, it's, it's like our entire world is just that cabin. And I kind of like when films don't really, I don't know, it's such a constructed medium and obviously there's a range of things and some films really want to dial into that, like, you know, quote unquote realism, but inevitably you are constructing the reality. And so I think sometimes kind of interesting where you just sort of ignore everything else and you just go like within this film, this is everything that exists, you know? Um, Cause I think it, it creates maybe a more focused feel. So what drew you to, to horror? Yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, loved horror movies. I grew up watching a lot of horror films. Um, my dad's a big horror fan, so, you know, I watched things like The Wicker Man and The Shining way too young in my life. Um, but I watched, watched a lot of Hammer horror films with him. And, uh, that makes sense. you know, lots of kind of British horror films, yeah, from the 60s and 70s. And, um there was just always something about them. Again, I think maybe it's the world building and the kind of aesthetic that they just were so their own thing. And so like, whether you liked that or not, whether you enjoyed the campiness or whatever it is, like it was very much its own world that it existed in. And I think that really appealed to me, but it took me a while to kind of embrace it as a filmmaker. Um, I went to film school in Montreal and I feel like film school can be quite limiting because everyone's kind of trying to make the same movie (laughs) and in Montreal and at film school, it kind of felt like everyone's trying to make this family drama. And, um, you know, because you're in such a bubble when you're in film school, like it's, you kind of forget about the plethora of styles that, you know, you could make right and so it wasn't really until I finished a film school that I kind of embraced the genre more um I remember talking to another student at at uh film school and mentioning that I kind of wanted to make a horror film they kind of laughed me off a bit because it was just like that's not really something you do and I think that's the kind of continuous argument of like you know low or high art and certain genres um being more well regarded or whatever but I think um as soon as I finished school I very much felt the liberty to do it, whatever the fuck I wanted to do. And so I made a body horror short that I was like, I'm fully going to embrace this genre. You know, we're going to go gory and nasty and Cronenberg-esque and I'm just going to go for it. And then I felt like, okay, now I really feel confident in this genre and like feel like it's a really good place to explore a lot of ideas and a lot of kind of, um, you know, grounded things that that I feel or I observe, you know, like, 
anxieties or insecurities or whatever kind of interpersonal dynamics, but then you're placing them in this like heightened world, um, which I think is a really cool way to explore things. Yeah, and I get what you're talking about with the film school stuff. I have a, a very good friend of mine who was in film school back in the you know mid mid to late '90s, and he always tells me about you know he made a short that played at a lot of festivals. It it did really really well at the time. Um, and it was called Gay by Dawn, and it was he he joked that it was a horror short uh, for homophobes because no one had made a film okay. to scare homophobes, and what's uh-huh. scarier than homosexuality to a homophobe and it was kind of playing mm-hmm. up the absurdity of that and it's it's actually a very impact like i i like what he did with it it's funny it's unique but he said like the only reason he thinks that that short had any success was that he was the only person with a funny horror short while everyone else had he goes when when you're up against 15 other films that are about a guy's complicated relationship with his father like whatever mm-hmm. you're making is going to stand out with people it's going to be different. And he said that even back then it was such this like, Oh, you can't make a, you can't make a comedy. You can't make a horror movie. This is film school. You need to make art. And, and that line of like, for sure, it's such a terrible line that like, you can't make art if you're making comedy or horror. When honestly, the last four or five years, horror has probably been the most artistic genre pushing things coming out. Totally. And it kind of allows you to explore things that might, not you might not be able to talk about in a different package I guess too like I think it allows you to talk about some of the uncomfortable things in yourself you know um like internal things you know elements of darkness or whatever that can be a hard thing to to explore or you can also look at some stuff in society as well you know and comment on some things that in a drama just wouldn't work you know something like get out is obviously a perfect example of that like he was able to look at something that's so real um but then and and that's very uncomfortable for a a lot of people to talk about but then because it was in this like super accessible package it just made it like he was able to make these really you know bold statements and important statements um but it was because he used, you know, genre to tell that story. So, um, yeah, and that's been going on forever, basically. Yeah. As long as horror movies have existed, it was funny when Get Out came out, because I feel like a lot of my friends who saw it who weren't really into horror films were just like, wow, it's like it's taking social issues and then, like, talking about them in a horror format, and you're like, yep, like, this isn't new. Like, he's done something really amazing with it, but, like, this isn't new. Like, this is the, the you know, the pattern or the what horror has been doing for a long time. Yeah. And it's, it's always so insulting too. I feel like every time a horror movie gets nominated for a major award, it's suddenly a thriller. You know what I mean? Yes. 100%. Yes, completely. Um, I don't really like the term psychological thriller because like, it just always feels like a bit of a cop out of like, we we don't want to call it a horror movie. Yeah. Like I don't care what anyone says. Like, Signs of the Lambs is about a guy murdering women and skinning them. That's a horror movie. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care how the Oscars want to paint it. It's a it's a yeah. horror movie. Uh, but yeah, and that, I think, is such a funny thing. Because I'm even experiencing that with one of my really good friends. Before I knew her, she wasn't a horror fan. She said, I used to like mm-hmm. horror. I, I wasn't into it. And then um, she just watched Midsummer for the first time. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I didn't know that like horror films could be so feminist. 
And I was like, Ooh, yeah. I've got a list for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, it's been so, and, and like getting her like weekly text messages now where her and her husband are just like chat, watching Get Out for the first time, watching uh, us for the first time, like watching these incredible movies of the last couple of years, but then also discovering like old classics and messaging me about mm-hmm. like the tales from the hood and how like she can't believe that movie was mm-hmm. made 20 years ago and it's like i know it's yeah. depressing that it's still very very relevant but mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that that's the thing that we love about the genre right is that like you you have all these different piles if you just want something mindless and fun you throw on a full moon or a trauma film and if you want something that's like gonna actually speak to you there's there's a a bucket for that mm-hmm. you know and then some films can do both which i think is really cool when films can do that where you have you can kind of just go along for the ride or you can go along for the ride and then also be kind of taking in the the other message as well so i think it's a great format for that so the people who are listening and they're sitting there and they're saying man i really like this amelia girl i want to see her movie what are the best ways for them to see Bleed With Me right now? Is there other film festivals that are coming up that they can keep an eye out for? Yeah, I mean, nothing has been announced, so I can't share that information just yet about kind of um, future stuff. Um, so, yeah, but we will be continuing um, some more festivals, and then um, we'll eventually have an online release. Again, the dates aren't, um, nothing has been set in stone yet, but um if anyone wants to follow us on social media, it's at Bleed With Me Film on all the kind of normal platforms. So that's usually where we're going to like post updates or on our website, which is uh, bleedwithmefilm.com. So there we'll kind of keep people posted about where to see it. Because unfortunately, Fantasia is also geolocked to Canada. So, you know, audience, you know, the audience is limited to Canada. So we definitely want to try to get it out there for more people um, as soon as we can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Amelia. Thanks for having me. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm -hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? listen to this damn show damn it the napping through happy hour podcast brought to you by geekscape real life real drama real time i'm gary sinise that's the ad that's the ad that's the ad At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. 
Has he been cancelled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.